Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, here we go. There will be no homecoming for Zach Steffen as the U.S. men's national team braces for a cold night in Columbus against select a side in desperate need of a result. I'll be looking ahead to the game with Jimmy Conrad and then Wiesel Vasquez will be joining us as we turn our attention to the rest of Thursday's Ocho action, beginning with El Tree's trip to Kingston. The Kegel Lasso CONCACAF World Cup qualifying match day nine preview begins right now. Now, everyone, you know the drill, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in podcast form, Kegel Lasso needs your help to grow. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell and get busy in the comment section. We always want to hear from you. For those of you listening to this in audio form, please make sure you follow Kegel also wherever you get your podcast from and take a minute to leave a rating and review. It not only boosts our confidence, but it also helps everybody find this thing and every little bit helps in growing podcasts. You know that. So, Jimmy Conrad, what is going on, man? Do I get to talk now? What's up, Heath Pierce? How's it hey. going? Hey, I just want to let you know that your intro yesterday on the USMNT hour was longer than mine was. It was. Uh, it we were was. doing a giveaway, uh, by the way, and we we're going to find out if there if if we hit those numbers, by the way, uh, for that giveaway. But yeah, I just wanted to welcome you in, Jimmy. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Very excited for this one. In the history of El Salvador, they've never beaten the US men's national team, and maybe I just jinxed it. Hopefully, I didn't jinx it, everybody. But I think we've got a good chance, and it's a great way for us to start this qualifying window with a really vital three points. Yeah, well, listen, uh, before we get into to, to everything, we've, we've obviously, actually, we'll talk about that in a minute. What I want to talk about, because we've, we've, we've mentioned it a lot, is VAR, Jimmy. VAR is back. VAR is in the final two rounds, I guess, final two international windows for CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. We've got VAR. I mean, did, did you see this coming? Or are you happy about it? Do you find some inconsistency in it? I mean, what's the word? <laughs> I mean, and okay, also, okay. by the way, Jimmy, how can they not have it and then have it and say that there's not infrastructure to have it and then they have it? It just seems a little bit odd. Yes, yes. I think the word the kids use today is sus. It is yeah. sus, everybody. But what I'll add to this, I think I'm, I'm happy that, it, that it's there. These games are getting more and more important as we get closer to the finish line. And I think that you want to have that assistance in ruling out whether – you know, things are a foul or if they're not or offside or, or I, that's the thing. So Christina uncle came on CBS sports HQ yesterday during the show. And I asked her, well, what iteration of VAR are we getting? And yeah. she laughed at me on TV. And she said, there's only one iteration of VAR. And that's, in my opinion, that's not true because there's different interpretations of how VAR is used. And so I just feel like, well, well, what about handballs? Because 
I when we look at the Premier League, they have some they 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 use VAR. It's a disaster. But then you see other leagues that use it pretty well. I'd say MLS falls into that category. Pretty all all things considered, pretty good with VAR. And so I don't think it's all the same. Yeah, it might be might be blanketed as the same, and they're all trying to do the same things, but it's not the same. So I wonder, to your point, which version of VAR are we going to get in these contests? If we look at Africa Cup of Nations right now, dude, what's that? VAR is all over the place, and the referees are all over the place in that competition. So you just don't know. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. great the VAR is in, but how is it going to be applied? And I think that's really important to take into consideration. And it seems like, it's, see, I want to emphasize seems, that in the Africa Cup of Nations, the bigger teams are starting to get more of the favorable calls. And I wonder if we're going to start to see that trend emerge now that it exists in CONCACAF. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I agree. And by the way, Jimmy, um, uh, we, we did a giveaway yesterday for if we had 400 comments in our in our live show for USMNT Hour, yes. we would give away a $100 gift certificate towards Paramount Plus, which Amazing. could be uh, a year or more in, in a subscription. We hit those 400 comments. We're going to have Sweet. that giveaway on Thursday's show just for everybody yes. who's, who's waiting anticip- and, and, and anticip- anticipating uh, winning this. Uh, you're going to have to be a little bit more patient, but we appreciate all of you enjoying. You know what this means, Heath? And- I got to get the Vuvuzel out. I don't know how you connected those dots, but I, you I'll, know what? It's just about excitement. And also, yeah, okay. I don't think I do it right. It sounds like a dead elephant, but you know, yeah. what? conversation for another time. Uh, that's, that's fair. But Jimmy, there's some crazy <laughs> news. Let's get into the qualifying of things. Obviously we'll see how VAR plays out. I agree with you in terms of iterations. It there's, it's kind of uh, redundant. If you say iteration, if there's only one, then there couldn't be an iteration on it. But, um, I would say that, uh, it seems like somebody was saying there uh, is some shady business that might be going down here in these final couple of rounds. We can't have any of that. They probably looked at the table and saw that there's four teams right now. And by the way, we'll get to this, the preview as well. But if Costa Rica can win, they're back in the mix as well over Panama. We'll get to that uh, for now. So it seems like there's enough going on, enough drama and enough action that you go, we can't leave this to chance. Now, I think VAR in a lot of cases is chance in itself. Uh, but we'll move on from that. Jimmy, Zach Steffen, the news. Coming in today, the Zach Steffen is actually out with back stiffness, which means Matt Turner, and we talked about this on our USMNT Hour, who's 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 the one? Would Matt Turner get any games? Zach Steffen is the number one. Do you think Zach Steffen can cement himself as the number one? A few things that are going from that we know. He's a starter in his club team. Zach Steffen is not. He's been consistently good for the national team, bar uh, one performance that I think gave it back to, to Zach Steffen in terms of Greg's eyes. And and he's going to have a consistent run of games coming out of this, a potential move to Europe, which would be an understudy, which I think would level things. But this could this actually uh, dictate a move for him, whether or not he takes it, knowing that this, this could be an opportunity to be a starter. And do you think he can cement himself in this case? Okay, so I'm going to start with Zach Steffen and his, and they, in, in the quotes, uh, back tightness, put air quotes around that. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed at the Etihad. That clearly means that the, the bench seats that they have at the stadium are not okay. comfortable enough for our Zach. I'm Steffen pretty sure they're heated. So, watching. like, you know, he has when not you played in a game from... since December seventh, and 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 he needs minutes. And I don't know. No, I. That's my joke. The the seriousness of it is anytime we see back stiffness or back spasms, as we saw with John Brooks, yeah. not too long ago. That's code. It's code for something. And yeah. and my initial thought is: is there something going on in his personal life? And if that's the case, then I hope that him and his family and everybody else is okay. That I want to start there. The second thing is, I don't think there's been any kind of turmoil, or not that we're aware of at least, or maybe you're aware of that I'm not, that that you could see somewhat existing between John Brooks and Greg Berhalter, and there was some kind of friction. And and 
John Brooks was upset when he didn't play the first El Salvador game, blah, blah, blah. Then he played against Canada, didn't play well. We talked about it yesterday. But I never saw that with Zach Steffen. And I don't think Matt Turner has done anything to, to necessarily beat out Zach Steffen at this point. Zach Steffen's been good in the last qualifying windows. And I think he's emerged, as you said yesterday, that he's probably emerged as the number one. Greg chooses Zach right now. So I don't know what's happening here. Again, I hope everything's okay. And obviously there's some did, easy jokes to make. There, I haven't seen any photos. Has he arrived in camp? I would assume. No, he's, he's not in Columbus yet. So he, he's not in Columbus. Okay. And his status, as U.S. Soccer wrote, is day-to-day. Okay. Well, we're all day-to-day, man. You know, I mean, but I don't know. So, why are you making an announcement on it? Then? It's really weird. Yeah, there's, there's maybe because there's going to be some transparency yeah, around some, that. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe some questions like, like why isn't Zach Steffen? Yeah, yeah. So good. you just you just get ahead of it. Like, where's Zach Steffen? Where's Zach Steffen? What's yeah. happening? Oh, GGG doesn't like Zach Steffen. You know, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. only likes MLS guys. <laughs> you know, the, the, whole, the whole it just starts the whole conspiracy theory. But but uh, I I find this interesting. And again, I I feel like there's something more to this that that they don't want to get out or it's private to to Zach and and friends and family. And so I want to respect that. And and uh, I hope that he's okay ultimately because because. Yeah. Back, I don't know. Back stiffness is back, very vague. Yeah, it's uh, it is very vague. Well, let's talk about Columbus uh, because a place you don't want back stiffness is is Columbus. <laughs> if you're going long periods without having to make plays, and he's standing there in that back line, thirty yards from his goal. You know, you're gonna have to do a lot of moving to keep that back nice and loose. Considering the temperatures, Jimmy, at least for match day, are looking like the highs are around thirty two degrees, and then at Perfect. match time, probably right. in the twenties, mid twenties. I, I looked for today's uh, uh, seven p.m time and it's it's in the mid-20s with the feels like of well below that so something around 17 degrees now do you think this is a benefit or a hindrance when i was uh, i'll give my take real quick but when i was thinking about it i was like okay minnesota versus columbus columbus could be a little bit warmer maybe it's still you know freezing temperatures oh and there you go with the picture of uh us usmnt saying it's a mentality yeah i don't know uh i mean uh, it just it just seems like for Columbus, I was like, okay, if it's freezing temperatures, we, you and I have played in plenty of those. You kind of get on with it when it's freezing, right? You can do that. But when you're talking about 17 degrees feels like out there and you're talking about, you know, what it's going to be like in Minnesota, it just started to shift my perspective to being like, it feels like a great leveler of like, if somebody told you, Jimmy, you got to get up for this match for 90 minutes, like who's the advantage go to? I don't, I don't see an advantage there for, for, the, for the U.S. men's national team. I think there's a slight advantage. There, I think that there are enough of our players that are playing around the world that are used to this. Whereas I don't, when I look at El Salvador's roster, I don't think that they have a lot of players playing in cold uh, atmospheres. Or, yeah, but who's or used to this? Nobody's used to it. Not that they're not used to. I mean, they might be used to it, but they, they nobody likes it. Nobody wants to play yeah. in this cold of thing. I, I, I find it interesting because, as I mentioned before at the top, we've El Salvador's played us twenty four times in their history and have never beaten us. Do we really need to take that next extra step to, yeah. to really just rub it in? Hey, guys, not only that, you've never beaten us, but we're also going to play in freezing cold. And Yeah, and like, 12, like, like 12 or 10 of those or something are in qualifiers, right? Like they're like right. 7, 7, 10, whatever. Right. Like, and, yeah. and we're unbeaten in 18 of our last games uh, on, on American soil. We're, we're pretty good at home. But I do think there is a conversation to be had, or at least I'm sure Greg Berhalter and his staff and U.S. Soccer have talked about, wouldn't it benefit us if we played a game against El Salvador, who we do have a successful record against, in, in a weather that nobody really wants to play in, but it could prepare us for the game we're going to play in Canada. Now, for me, there's a really strong narrative to continuing that. But once you play Honduras on that third game, yo, you can go to a climate that's a little bit uh, warmer. That's where they lose me a little bit with this. It's a mentality. Nah, thing. Anytime, anytime we talk to the other guy, like any guys, we had Anthony Robinson on. I saw some other quotes from other guys. 
Uh, they're tweeting. They're they're tweeting about the weather. They're like trying to buy in and sell this narrative. Oh yeah, we love the colds because it. I don't mind it for the El Salvador game because it leads into the Canada game, which is going to be similar. And you don't want there to be that stark of a contrast. But but for that third game, I think that could be played anywhere. Yeah, and I don't think I it needs know. to be played in Minnesota. I I I, I just don't. I, even that, I don't. I, I can't buy into any of that okay. narrative just because of the fact that like. You playing in a cold game, 17 degrees, doesn't make you more prepared to play in another game in 15 degrees. I don't think that there's a connective tissue to that where you understand what it's like. It's just cold and miserable, and you get on with it. It's a mentality thing. I think yeah, that, no, that post was true. right from U.S. men's national team. It is a mentality, and that's what you have to tap into. But I don't think that you have a, a, an advantage. or you're, It's not like preparing an altitude or things like that, certain ways uh, that, that get you better. for. And maybe there is a scientific reason behind your body adapting to that, uh, to those temperatures by, by, by training in those and improving mm-hmm. in those. Obviously we've seen some of the, or heard some of the sciences around like what happens to your body and these types of temperatures in terms of burning energy quicker and what, what happens to your muscles and things like that. But your job is to go out and win. And I don't think you ever pick a game before to prep you for the next game. You go to that game to win and you give, you put yourself in the best chance to win that first game, three points, right? Mm-hmm. Nine mm-hmm. points from this window. This national team is going to a world cup, seven points, pretty much there. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, you can't look past one to get to the other one. And so I, I, I just have trouble understanding. I understand not going, again, not to rehash this too long. I understand not going to markets where you have a chance to potentially have an away game at home or have a mixed crowd where you now have an advantage given to your opponent, period. But uh, it just seems like this time of year, and I know there's not really a lot of attractive places you can go to this time of year, period, uh, that aren't, they'd all have to be Southern states, which would likely uh, involve mm-hmm. a contingent of, of, the away fan. Um, so I can understand them going to these types of places, knowing that there's not a lot of other places you could go. I'm kind of thinking in my head right now, where else you could right. go to that wouldn't be a, a leveler or a benefit to the opponent. So I guess maybe I'm, I'm, I'm sold a little bit on that. Um, but yeah, in terms of the other narrative of like prepping for games in the future, I don't know. Oh, we're going to have to probably agree to disagree. Cause I, I feel like I could, if they said that to me, I'd be like, okay, I get it. And, and there is enough connective tissue there for me that, all right, we're going to be miserable in one game. Let's figure out how to have success in that. And once we play a better opponent against Canada, we'll be a little bit more attuned to how the ball rolls in snow or you know whatever it may be. I don't know. But that last game know. for me makes no sense to be in Minnesota. Zero yeah. sense to me. Well, what I do you know, I, Jimmy? You don't know. I, know, well, you I don't know. I don't game. know. You, you know what? I'm, I'm just a really handsome <laughs> has-been that doesn't yeah. know that much, Heath. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. You've never played the game. You don't know. I've never like played. I'm a plastic yank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, let's move on to uh, this El Salvador team because going back to the nil-nil draw that kicked off World Cup qualifying, we now meet them again, this time at home. Uh, an underwhelming performance from the U.S., I thought, in that game. Obviously, I do think there was some chances to score. El Salvador doing a great job of just bunkering in, which I think kicked mm-hmm. off their 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 qualifying campaign. To, to be stingy uh, in games, obviously, they've struggled to score goals themselves. I think it was like 200 or 300-something minutes before they actually scored a goal in World Cup qualifying. Um, but is there any, who, who are the danger men in this one from this El Salvador side? Where do they fall into the team? And, and, and what do you think their honest odds are? Because... Th- the catch with all this is El Salvador actually have to win to keep their hopes alive, which means ultimately they're going to have to take some risks. We talk about them sitting back and bunkering in. Now you can do that. A lot of teams do that for 90 minutes and win games consistently, but I feel like that's a preventative or defensive measure that hasn't worked to getting them the points to stay alive. They now have to win this, uh, realistically win this to, to keep their hopes alive. I know they don't have probably huge hopes, but you know, a win would keep them uh, in the running for this. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The, the, 
for everybody that doesn't know, El Salvador is managed by a former American international, Hugo Perez, and he represented us 73 times. So it wasn't like he just had a cup of coffee with the national team. I mean, he was a legit player, and I don't think he gets the respect. How many games is having a cup of co- a cup of coffee, Jimmy? Would you say like one or two? Oh man, I'm gonna write out some of. That. I'm gonna tweet that. <laughs> don't 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 put don't put me on blast. Des is producer Des is already gonna do that. He just Jimmy said all of you one to two cappers had a cup of coffee with <laughs> Okay. Thing. I guess a cup of coffee. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we say cup of coffee, people that just went in and, and had one training yeah. or no, it's a compliment. Everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, anybody had a cup of coffee with a national team, you yeah. still you know you should wear that as a badge of honor. But yeah. but but I just want to make sure that I'm giving Hugo Perez the respect he deserves yeah. because he was uh quite decorated for us as a country and, and very influential in a lot of different ways and and really gave some some identity to to the latin side of the game that that we have so many special players with his type of background that maybe don't get the attention and respect and adoration they deserve so just want to give him a shout out there now i think he's done a very good job i think he knows us soccer quite intimately he was coaching our youth national teams before parting ways to join the el salvadoran national team and he's right. They're very stingy. And I thought the game plan against us was very good in that first game of this phase of World Cup qualifying. What I find interesting is that we've had three windows so far. And in those three games, first three games of all these windows, El Salvador hasn't lost. And, and that makes me a little bit nervous because as we've seen with them, in every window, especially the last game of three games in eight days, they struggle. They lost to Canada 3-0 in the last qualifying. I mean, they just they have a hard time of maintaining because they just don't have a lot of depth. And I fear that because we, we're playing them again first, that gives them a slight advantage. They've got the energy. They're going to be up for it. And as you say, the cold can really go either way, I suppose, for, for either team in some capacity. Now, they have a Darwin Seren who played for Houston Dynamo for a long time. If he ends up playing in this game, I think he will. He's really experienced. He'd go third all-time in appearances for El Salvador, moving into a tie. Um, he's at 81 at the moment. And that would move him up to 82. So I think you get to bring in some of these guys. And he's a player to watch because when he's on, he's very good. He stifles a lot of attacks. I like potential his matchup against Musa and McKinney. Hopefully we can win that. But, um, you know, if he's on his day and having a good day, then, then. But we could also force him into making mistakes. Sometimes he tries to play out of situations that he shouldn't. And I think that's something of note. They also have Rivas up top that I think will start. Enriquez uh, as well. We got Alex Roldan, who is Christian Roldan's brother. Plays for the Sounders as well. Uh, he just scored against Jamaica the last time in the last qualifying window and, and they've been lacking goals. So I think that'll give him a little bit of confidence. So they have a couple players. I think they're more dangerous, like strength in numbers. You know, I don't feel like there's one out and out Mikel Antonio, let's say for Jamaica that plays for El Salvador that we have to necessarily key on, but they're good at bunkering. They're good at counterattacking. And when they get some confidence and you maybe try to play them at even numbers somewhere, anywhere on the field, they can hurt you, especially yeah. when they play and they can play very vertical, very fast. So we just have to be a little bit attuned to that, especially this is what, this is what I fear Heath is that we're going to get frustrated. They're going to play in a low block. We're going to try to start to take chances as the game goes on. And they're just going to be sitting and waiting because that's what they're that's what they told to do and taught to do. And, and that's where they can hurt us. And obviously, set pieces are its own beast, right? We've got to be thoughtful about set pieces. But, but I, I worry about them kind of bang, 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 three passes, and they're going to get a good chance on goal. And hopefully, it looks like Matt Turner will get the start. He makes the save yeah. if we need him to do so. So this is a, it's, it's, this is a, a good exercise in patience. I think that this group of players for us has demonstrated that we are pretty good at beating teams we should beat. And, and I like that quality because that's something that I thought we lacked when we were coming through Heath, where sometimes we would play to the level of our competition instead yeah. of really taking the onus of, hey, we need to put our stamp on this game. We need to set the tone on both sides of the ball. 
And I think this group of players does it a little bit more consistently than we ever did. Yeah, the only thing, the last thing I would say to that before we get into our lineups with the for, for the U.S. team and who you think will start is, you know, uh, Joaquin Rivas and Rodriguez, they both play together now at FC Tulsa. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and Rivas, w- going back to the Gold Cup, you know, we, we talked about this in our very first preview of like, El Salvador could be a sleeper team, right? And we saw after that first game, like, wow, they actually could be a sleeper team. They haven't lived up to those performances. But when they had, Rivas had two goals against Qatar, knocked them out of the That's Gold right. Cup, they That's looked right. really impressive. And I was like, okay, this is this is something here. And then when I think about sitting on the other end, you mentioned Rodriguez as well. Um, Eric Zavaleta was very good against the U.S. Mm-hmm. He's now unattached yeah. from his club team. I'm not sure what's next for him, um, but was solid in that game. And then when I think about Rodriguez holding it down, he's going to have to have a huge game to keep the U.S. out of there and stay organized, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that they're going to go probably long periods without possession and having to defend like hell, knowing that the World Cup uh, chances are on the line. Although they are slim, you're still thinking about that. You never just write that off and just say you're playing in a qualifier to play in right. a qualifier. So right. uh, that's one that I think uh, is a really important one. But Jimmy, let's move on to lineups um, and and who you think should be the who you think will be the starters and one that uh, and if there's any changes from who you think should start. So so I'll go with goal. It look, looks like Matt Turner is going to be the guy that starts in this one. So that choice has already been made. Pretty easy. I think that's what we're going to see. We've discussed this both on ca- on camera and off. I will go from left to right. Anthony Robinson at left back. I think he's going to be ready to go. Been been super sharp for Fulham. I think we're going to go with Zimmerman and Miles Robinson, the pairing that's been pretty solid. I know there's a shout for Chris Richards. And I guess one, we have to only one see. playing games right now. I, that's true. That's true. Games. That said, I think the advantage that maybe Zimmerman and Miles Robinson have is that they've both been in camp. They've been around and, and there's a compare and contrast. It's not like these are n- unknown quantities to Greg and the staff. Yeah. They can actually look back and say, Oh, look how much sharper these guys were when they were still in season with their respective MLS clubs and, and how they're training leading up to a game and how they're training now. So it's yeah. not like, I don't know. I, I I'm okay. It is with good that. though, that they've gotten tons of reps probably Agreed. together every 100%. single training session 100%. training as the one in the two together which i think I, is a huge advantage and more than people like sort of give credit for i agree i agree i think those nuances being able to kind of work through things in low pressure situations helps you solve problems in high pressure yeah. situations so well, like who owns yeah, your yeah. back line right when one of them steps up when you're moving your lines a step or two steps like who mm-hmm. owns that you get into a rhythm of like who's the role player who's the leader who's those things right. that you can only do when you're training together and very rarely does the national team train together train they're together. always prepping so i think there is some sort of advantage yeah. i'm trying to find any advantage we can get right now jimmy but no 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 well, we do have it right back so right back Serginho Dest. i think you we put him at left back against el salvador last time and he came out in the 67th minute. We put An- Anthony Robinson in. I don't like Serginho Dest at left back. I never have. Uh, I don't think he's as effective. I think he looks a little uncomfortable. He could do the job because he's he's just a natural threat, right? He just has that natural charisma. To He's going to do something, you know, and that's what we love about him. But he's back in the team for the first time since scoring that goal against Costa Rica, which is thankfully in Columbus where he ended up scoring that goal. So maybe those good vibes will continue mm-hmm. in this particular game. I do think it puts a lot of pressure on El Salvador knowing that Serginho Dest would start because they know that he likes to commit. Conversely, though, because he likes to take yeah, some risks going balance. forward, we could yeah. get exposed going the other way. So it's just something to keep in mind. And, of course, this is, again, to your point, Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman and the coaching staff could be talking about this leading up to this game because they've had time to sort this out. Well, so, so I got Adams. that. MMA gives you a little bit more of a freedom. True. It's a good problem to have to make to know that like you're giving up a little bit, but you're 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 getting a lot, knowing that El Salvador is going to have to think: Do we expose them and cheat for with with numbers, right. or do we have to track and play honestly and hope that we get it somewhere else? Yeah, and I think Miles Robinson naturally kind of shifts to the right anyway. You know, and there was a good example where I remember the goal against Canada where DeAndre Yedlin got 
kind of pulled the, the Canada game at home where Yandre Ailing kind of got caught in no man's land. Ball gets played uh, in behind Alfonso Davies. And Miles Robinson actually was a little slow to slide over, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. But that is a space that I think other teams might be trying to exploit, especially with Des knowing having a tendency to go forward. And I think De- uh, Miles Robinson's gotten a lot better at, at shading over a little bit quicker to negate anything that could be too much trouble. So, so I think that'll be the back four. And then MMA will definitely be in the midfield. And if they're not, I'd be pretty surprised. Maybe you're trying to save them for the Canada game. But as I mentioned before, we got to play our best 11 right from the get-go. We need all the points right away. This is, this is urgency time. And I don't want to wait till the last qualifying window to be scraping points, as you correctly stated the other day as well. And then up top, I'm going to go Pepe. I think he's going to be the one that's sharp, ready to go. And, and uh, you know, he's got the most minutes, I'd say, of the players that are that are around. And I think he'll be eager to get back and probably be around the guys and kind of get his confidence going in a different way that might be hard at a team that struggles to create chances. You got Christian Pulisic. Thank you, Thomas Tuchel, for resting him on one side and Brendan Aronson on the other. And I think we got a pretty balanced team that that knows what they have to do. And I think we have the talent, easily have the talent to outlast El Salvador. The problem is, and Heath, I want to hear your lineup after this, El Salvador is very good in the low block. And we got frustrated with a lot of these same players that we're rolling out right now to solve the problems that were being presented by El Salvador. And that when they when we have eight, when they have eight guys on top of the box, how do we figure that out? And I'm going to reiterate a message I've been saying from the very beginning. You have to take what teams give you. And if they give you the space out wide, then just hit in deep crosses and put them under pressure. Make them suffer. If we don't ever make El Salvador suffer, we don't shift anybody and make a move. We're never going to get these half chances that can turn into full chances. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you think about just Honduras, it was it was up back and through to wide areas that mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. kicked that off, right? It was fast movements, disrupting that play, unbalancing them, getting the ball wide and whipping it in, knowing that we're going to crash in the box. I think when you accept that early on, that that's probably how or where the goals are going to come from, and you're forcing them to sort of have to be on their back foot in those situations, I think it's great. I think we shouldn't judge Pepe in this game based on on whether or not he's he's getting the ball a lot, right? We go, oh, he's barely involved. He doesn't do anything. We're <laughs> like, well, that's what the game is going to likely end up being. Mm-hmm. I agree with your, your your starting lineup. The only thing that, that last thing I would say about this before we do a prediction is El Salvador, uh, a lot of their players are domestic. And El Salvador now got two league games into their season, which means that uh, some of them are actually in season form, right? Two games is a huge mm-hmm. difference from zero games when you get those right, sorts right. of runs of play. And that's where I think we could see a sharpness from them that the U.S. might lack in terms of a rhythm where we're going to need a lot of players who aren't playing a ton or aren't in season or aren't in form right now to find a rhythm with each other, which could be a little bit of a challenge. But I don't think it'll be uh, too difficult of one for the U.S. I'm actually going to go with a prediction of uh, 3-0 for the U.S. at this one. I think... They're gonna get. They're gonna get one that's uh, gonna force eventually, and I do think it'll happen later than it, than it'll happen sooner. Uh, but you know, I think about the opportunity to score goals once they get opened up, feel a little bit defeated, start taking more risks. But they're gonna eventually break that deadlock, and I think a three nil win by the end that won't feel as comfortable as it sounds for the first sixty or so minutes. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if it'll be three uh, zero. I could see a two zero. I could even see a squeak in a one zero. I just if we score early. I feel like it's either going to be one zero really tight or it's going to be a three zero thrash. Jimmy, you don't get to have both. You're, you're, I'm you're hedging saying, right I'm, now. I know I'm always hedging because I, I love the fence <laughs> and the fence is super comfortable, but I'm just saying if we score early, then I think yeah. that's going to force El Salvador to have to stretch to get back in the game. And I think we can tag them with a couple late goals and just kill their well, spirit. I, I like, see the same, by the way, I see the same, I see it the same way. I just see it later where it's like, eventually we're going to break that down, get that one. And then they're going to yeah, start right. sending numbers forward, no, cheating a little bit. And we're going to get a couple of Jesse Zardes goals in the end that are just like kind of tap in poke-ins that were Ricardo Pepe or somebody else gets in behind a back line attacking with four against three. Yeah. And you 
counterattack and score those quick goals to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, the fact that El Salvador haven't won any games away from home in this window as well is, is some of concern. But I do like the narrative that you're trying to bring in that they are going to be competitive. And that's going to happen no matter what. And as I mentioned before, they've been very good, actually, in the first game of all these qualifying windows. So that makes me gives me some pause that they're going to be up for it. They're going to essentially what happens is they're going to stick to what the coach wants. And if they stay resolute and stay patient, then I think they could unpack a little bit of uh, the frustration that that U.S. is going to have the longer the game goes zero zero. So I, I, I'm going to say I should you know, I'll go to the middle of one zero. I'll say two zero. But okay. uh, I, I think it's going to be a little tight there for a while. And, and I think it's They're going to make us earn it, which is, you know, that's part of it, but they do have their backs against the wall, man. They need to start getting points. Otherwise their world cup dreams are, are dashed. I agree with you. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring on Wiso Vasquez. Who's going to walk us through his thoughts on Jamaica versus Mexico, a huge opportunity. And then we've got Honduras, Canada to talk about as well as the biggest match of the round, Costa Rica versus Panama. At least it is for the U S fans. We will be right back. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Hey everyone, we are back. And uh, we're going to bring on Wiso Vasquez to join us. We uh, saw, and we saw, what is going on, man? Hello, hello. What's up, guys? I need to get a drum. I need to get, you know, yeah, I got to no, get, don't get a drum. Don't get a drum. Don't get a drum. Don't get a drum. Jimmy with the Bubusella. Keith, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm ready to get 2021 out of the way. Like, I don't even want to think about it. It's a new year, New Mexico. Uh, we're ready to, to be on with, top with of a the new logo line. as well. You have a new, a new logo. logo. I, I mean, know, new players that are coming in, <laughs> just wash it away, wash it away. No, really looking at last year's, uh, it, when I talked to friends, when I talked to people, colleagues, it was a really bad year for Mexico. And we look at another year, like 2013. I don't remember it'd be like that, but I'm excited. I'm with you guys. Que always a pleasure. Let's talk Mexico. 
Hey, real quick, if if those results went differently, just the finals themselves, and then the Dosa Cero, would that be a super successful year? Like, what, did it all come down to three matches that changed whether or not it was a good year? Losing to the U.S. three times, you know, when it has never happened in a row, and then losing against Canada, I feel like all all the pieces were there, and I think we talked about it where it could go bad, really, you know, fast, really bad. Right. And I said to, to some people, if you took the US game and put them in the beginning of the qualifiers and took the Canada game and put it somewhere else and we lost both games, people would be okay with it. Right. But it's just that two games versus the two, you know, the best teams right now in Concap away in freezing. And Mexico now fans are like, okay, now, you know, we have no hope. But here come some easy games, Mexico fans. So just hold on. Easy let, games. Let wow. Easy game. wow. Game. Well, I guess yeah. we didn't start 2022 very, very uh Compared, compared to what happened in November, I'm saying they're easier games. Freezing okay. temperatures, no intensity like Tata's saying. Come some easier games at home. Let's just yeah. say at home. Well, so well, the well, the good news is is that uh, you had a chance to clean up uh, your your comment there. The bad news is is Des is still gonna <laughs> still gonna clip uh, the, the only the early part and put it. it on the internet. It says it's a, the easy, it. three easy games. Let's talk about Tata Martino's uh, squad that he's brought into this. You know, uh, want to get your reactions on this? We'll have Des put it up on the screen and and also discuss the the absence of Marcelo Flores. Just kind of give us your overall take from this from sure. this line from this group that's been called in for these matches. Look, I think it's a, a very positive uh, call-up for some of the players that we have not seen. There's some players on here that everybody was saying, where's Arteaga? You know, why isn't he on the squad? Look at what's happening with Chaka and Gallardo, these mm -hmm. players that are not getting that intensity. And we have some players at home. And it's not because they haven't been playing football like Eric Gutierrez, right? It's because Tatas just didn't want to call him. I feel some of the fans feel like he got a little knock on the door in his office and said, yo, there are players that are playing good. We're not getting the results. You need to call him up, right? People are, are a little upset with the four keepers. You know, why bring in four? And just like you said, why not bring in a Marcelo Flores to come in and cap tie him? But I understand with COVID, with travel, with three games, he feels he needs to continue this for uh, uh, keepers, you know, calling him up. And right now, I think people are okay with this because this is who we have. There isn't anybody on here that I'm like, you need to have this person. You know, maybe some of the Atlas winners that you have on there. Uh, it's maybe some Leon players, but at the same time, who are we going to kick off? You need that, you know, that balance, balance. of yeah, balance. Yeah, you got to have that balance of 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 kids that want, are hungry and intensity, and you need to have that seniority. And it's World Cup qualifying; you can't just throw in a bunch of kids in there. So I think everybody's good. I like it. I don't think there's anybody there that uh, shouldn't been there. I'm excited to see Diego Linus finally play, and yeah. uh, and you know we'll we'll see we'll see if he gets some minutes. But three games in a week. You need a large, a lot of people to of come in and you know not yeah. be tired. That third hey, game, Jimmy. you said, Jimmy. Yeah. No, yeah. I just wanted to talk about this Jamaica game because it's in Kingston. Mm -hmm. And the last time he played against Jamaica at Azteca, it was a late goal by Henry Martin that ended up kind of salvaging 89, that. You, 89th minute. 89th right? like, minute. It was actually, and, yeah. and that was a little dicey to start the qualifying window for, for Mexico, but they did what they had to do, which seems to be a bit of a hallmark of this team under Tata Martino. They always figure out a way to do just enough to get the result. Not all the time, obviously. It's gonna be like, well, no, what are you talking about? We lost to Canada and the U.S. in the same window. I get that. But but ultimately, there's a nice, for me, balance of, of young and old, and, and it's up to Tata to find that, as you mentioned, the balance. With this, with this though, we had trouble in Kingston. Mikel Antonio is a handful. Yep. He wasn't involved along with the, all the other European-based guys or the English-based guys for Jamaica that first time around. How do you think the team prepares for this? Do you think there's a back three, a back four? I mean, how are you going to really get at this Jamaican team who 
on their day are very, very good. Jamaica talents are there. You, we saw it. I was in that Kingston game in the sideline with right. the U.S. That's right. I was there looking at just – I was waiting for something flashy from Jamaica, and it happened. And then it just – you know, even though there wasn't that big crowd, there's not going to be that many people there. But I think, you know, Tata has understood. I think is understanding what's happening with World Cup qualifying, right? Can't just throw out the team out there with talent and then he lacks intensity. You can't throw out just the youngsters because, you know, they don't have the experience. Uh, I four four three. I don't think he shies away from that. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. He did go to a, a four four two against Jamaica at the end, and mm-hmm. that's how they scored. Um, what's important is that, uh, you know, right now there are going to be some players that are not going to be playing in that Jamaica game, which is the most important game for Mexico. Mexico loses this game, and here comes, once again, now the pressure at the Azteca with Costa Rica, who we're saying, right, could mm-hmm. surprise everybody that needs that win. Um, up top, no Raul Jimenez. We we got already confirmation because uh, his calf. He didn't play over the weekend, so they're nursing. You're waiting for him, which is good because it's going to be a very physical type of game. No Chucky Lozano because he's he got his yellow cards and now he's not going to be in it. So up top, we already have to, looking to see who's going to be able to score. Um, so it'd be interesting. I don't think he shies away from his from his four four three three sorry four uh, four four three. So I think it'll still stick away with with that mentality of going around the the sides and making sure there's there's possession there and it's quick because it's going to be a fast game against Jamaica. Hey Heath, uh, we so saying they're going with a four four three. That's twelve players. No yeah. wonder Mexico wins. Uh, all yeah, the time. they're no, cheating. I, I see that. Four, extra players. Four three three. Four, I want to play. Four, four three three. Four three three. See now I'm confused. That what he wants to. Do. Sorry, mommies. Yeah. Four three three. Why we need yeah. a four four three so we can yeah. win? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, uh, l- let me ask you this, Luis. So, uh, you know, I know we're t- we're talking specifically about this Jamaica game, and I want to know your thoughts on on the team and culturally. How do you think style of play they match up with with Jamaica? Obviously, it's very different away from home than it is uh, at home, and obviously, there was an empty empty stadium at at Azteca. It's probably going to be empty in Jamaica as well. How do they match up there? And then when you look at these three matches in this window. Do you play your best team available in all of them? Jimmy and I talked about this yesterday on USMNT mm-hmm. Hour. It seems like it's time for the U.S. to go with at least a consistent lineup going through the rest of these matches, knowing that you know what you've got for most of these guys, but you also need the points. I mean, do you think there's going to be a big squad rotation knowing that he brought in this big of a group? It's hard to say because you're – I mean, you guys saying, I think we should have a consistent because you're getting results, right? So once you're getting results, you're knowing, okay, this is who we have. But in these windows where you're playing three teams in a week, how could you go with your best every time, right? Because there's so much that's happening outside of the level. So I'm actually – when I try to jot down my start in 11, I look at what that that, it's completely, completely different because I think I know what I need, but I'm not there at camps. So – um, I would say, I would say that yes, there's a backline. There's some players that are going to be there. Ochoa and Edson are not leaving, but there's so many different variations of fast young players that want you know the Olympic players that Mexico had with that experience. That I think we're going to see rotaciones in all three games, and we're not going to see a consistent eleven until until later. Because do you think do you think, do you think that Tata Martino knows his best eleven? Assuming everybody's healthy, or do you think it's still in flux? Because I feel how like- many does he know? You think I think he knows. I I don't. I think he knows, and I think that's why he's been wrong. I I think he. You know, when we're looking at how many players, and I did this exercise. I think he's got eighteen out of the twenty-three players that are going to the World Cup. Seventeen, eighteen, like for sure not going, but. They're not giving the results. So therefore, you know, fans and everyone's kind of asking, well, you know, that's, that's not the 11. That's why some of these new players that came in that haven't been called that he didn't want on the call up and all of a sudden he does. 
are hopefully going to make the difference. For example, uh, Julian Araujo, who's playing well. Players want to see him start, who's never started with the Mexican National Team World Cup qualifier. They want to do a Pepe and throw him in there, you know, yeah, and see yeah. what happens because yeah. they're they're frustrated that we're not getting those results. Chaka and Gallardo, who we've seen over and over and over, those are Tata's guys, and they like his system. So sometimes we got to take the fan out and go, the hmm. coach knows and hopefully trust that process. Heath, to your, uh, to your question, you know, how does Jamaica play? I feel like Mexico's always had a good results against Jamaica. Uh, and if it's Gold Cups and has played them regularly, knows his style of play, that's it. Lots lots of possessions, know that they can come fast and has those those players that, you know, can make, like, just what happened with the U.S. I go lasso from, you know, from 40 yards. Yeah, right, right. No, yeah, what I was so. gonna no, I was just gonna jump in and ask that it seems like Tata Martino, because because Greg Berhalter gets a lot of flack for sticking with a couple core guys that a lot of the fans don't like, or a lot of the 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 boisterous most uh biggest voicing fans, as I say on social media. And it seems like Tata Martino has his own yeah. Jets and oh, yeah. Maldons and and Acostas. And and it's hard to get away from that. Do you can you speak to what Tata Martino says about those players? Because I think whatever he says can obviously be used in, in defense of how Greg utilizes his roster as well. And with, with that, I mean, you have a guy like Guardado. How do you how are you going to take away a guy that has so much, you know, has given so much to the team, is such a leader, but the pace is not there. And what and then he's doing something really great in, in, in Europe. He's playing great with Real Betis when he plays 87, 90 minutes and then comes in the national team and he's not playing as well. People are ready to take him out. So there are players on there, specifically our defense, Chaka and Gallardo, who continue keep getting these, you know, these uh, these starts. But then fans are kind of be like, okay, we want Jorge Sanchez in there, we want somebody else, and it still doesn't work. It's not like we're getting the results with players that are coming in. Now we're going to see Arteaga, who's done great in Europe. Now we're going to see Eric Gutierrez in the midfield. But again. I don't necessarily think you put in one player here, one player here, and all of a sudden we're a great team, which is you know how fans are. I feel because of the World Cup qualifiers, because it's not easy winning in these games away, right? You're gonna have you're, you're gonna have fans that are gonna be like, all right, we want a complete change and overhaul. I'm gonna get young players. People calling for Marcelo Flores, I think the kid is going to be great, but there's still a lot of time for this player to get to the national team. Glad he was given a, a chance here in the United States in a game in Austin, but people are already calling for him to be in a World Cup qualifier, and I don't think we're there yet. Hmm. yet. Yeah, let me, uh, my, la my last question on this is uh, the pressure that's on Jamaica and Mexico. Obviously, mm -hmm. Jamaica are just the point in front of El Salvador. They've started slow, not able to have their best players. Now we've seen the impact of Mikel Antonio their job now is to go go on a run. They're playing at home. They're going to go for all three points, no doubt. Do you think that plays into the advantage of Mexico? Yeah. And what do you think the final result will be of this match? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they need these three these three points, especially at home coming in. I don't think they've lost in actually a while. They've tied a few a few games in the last few matches. And uh, new coach, I think Hall is saying that they're ready. The game versus Peru that they just had prepared them against Mexico, and they are willing to take and take those chances to get that. I believe that this window is finally going to get a get. I think mathematically everybody still can make it to the World Cup, right? But I think this window there's the teams at the bottom that are like, if we don't win, we're not going. So we're going to give it all out. This is it for us. So we're going to have some teams that finally, mathematically, I would believe, are not going to be able to make it uh, to the World Cup. So this is it. Jamaica needs this win. And it's not going to be easy for Mexico, especially with the pressure already. And are games easy when they're not home? Absolutely not. All right. What's your what's your uh, prediction on this, Lisa? We can't let you get away without saying uh, uh, what your prediction is. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a tie. I think that I, you know, Jamaica's gonna go. Uh, uh, is, is gonna try to get this win, right? 
new new interim coach. I thought you were there. excited about the new year, man. <laughs> I am excited. Yeah, he's I'm excited with the new year, but I'm going with the tie because I believe it's seven out of the nine points that Mexico is going to get in these in these. And I don't think that I don't think Mexico loses points at, at home. So I have to go with 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 the hardest game. It's on the road. Yeah. Going with a tie. I hope that it's it's a win. I hope low we can scoring? get back in that leadership. But huh? Low scoring or yeah, I think I think low scoring. I think uh I think it may one, like, one? you know one one, you know, one one if there's not even a goals. I feel like that's that's how it is, just because of 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 how, how it is. And uh I don't think the fir- the the best squad is gonna be playing against Jamaica because people are injured. Yeah. Jimmy, what's your prediction? Uh yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with the draw. I think yeah. uh, Jamaica <laughs> might not might not be well, as much happy. Yeah. No, no, that's true. I mean, Jamaica, what's interesting about Jamaica is they've got seven points. And right above them in the table is Costa Rica on nine. Costa Rica plays Panama. We're going to talk about that. And obviously, Costa Rica can make some moves there. I feel like Jamaica's got to replicate what Costa Rica does in this first game, too, because they play Costa Rica later and they play Panama. So Jamaica plays the three teams that are right above them in the table, and they need to get some points. they got to take some scalps, as we like to say. And, and you have to try to get your points at home. Mexico might be too tough of a hurdle for them to overcome. And uh, even despite some of the injuries, they still have a DNA and an identity that's that's tough to break down. But this those games against Costa Rica and Panama, I think that could prove to be the difference whether whether Jamaica can actually scale up the table and try to get that fourth spot to get into the playoff. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the draw as well. I think Jamaica are going to go for that for that uh, win as they need to. And obviously, you can watch this game on Paramount Plus uh, as well as the other games outside of the U.S. match um, for this for this first match day. But I think I think uh, Jamaica end up with a point trying to break down this Mexico side, giving everything, which could lead to one of those goals that we don't expect that we talked about similarly with the U S where they open up a little bit too much going for everything and end up giving up everything. Um, but overall, I think a draw sounds about right considering that Mexico should be actually quite content or happy to take the draw, knowing their next two matches, they should probably get three points. So let's move on to Honduras versus Canada. Jimmy, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, Canada are the world's most improved side. They're 40. They're the year's, the year's most improved side, having picked up no fewer than one 30.32 points uh, over the last 12 months. Their journey to the semifinals of the 2021 Gold Cup, as well as impressive results in FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 qualifying have been major factors in their rise. I mean, uh, you know, f- for this one, obviously Honduras out uh on three points extremely underwhelming from the beginning where you know you look at the first time they played against canada and they actually put on a performance that i thought they'd beat canada even deserved to beat canada yeah. away from home and now kind of looking defeated or, or or at least on paper points wise looking defeated i mean does this feel like a a, a win for 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 canada in your book this is an interesting one. Very similar to how the U.S. is probably using El Salvador as a way to figure some things out or to prepare for Canada in the next game. Canada might be doing the same thing against Honduras, especially without Alfonso Davies uh, being involved and in how they're going to replicate what he brings to the table. Obviously not as well, but as close to it as they possibly can. What's interesting is that back in 2012, uh, they went down. Canada went down to San Pedro Sula in Honduras to get a result. They, they, all they needed was a draw to qualify for the hex at that point. Only six teams, the final phase of it. They lost eight to one. They got their asses handed to them. And this is a good opportunity for them to kind of create new memories in, in the same place, in the same stadium, and try to get a result. It's not going to be easy. It never is. And even though Honduras have not won a game yet, their backs are completely against the wall. They actually have to win this game. I think the math is really starting to work against them. And if Canada wins it, then I think Honduras is out or close to being out. So 
it's going to be very difficult for Honduras, who we actually thought looked okay in the first. I mean, Honduras first have to win every though. single game to qualify. They yeah, I mean, every it's single to that game point. all the way through. But 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 to give yourself a chance to stay in that conversation, you got to win the first one that's in front of you. And this is a Canada team that I'm still probably a little wounded that Alfonso Davies is out and Estacio is out, and they're missing a couple players that have been pretty key for them, of course. And Honduras knows that, that I just I don't know. I could see a draw here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and maybe maybe Canada does, you know, re, uh, try to exercise some demons from that eight to one thrashing that that was very embarrassing for them. And they, a lot of the players uh, still talk about what that did to them and their psyche for, for a number of years. Yeah, Jimmy. I mean, I'm a neutral. I just want everybody to win. But that's music <laughs> to my ears to assume that Canada are going to draw. We so how important is this uh, Alfonso Davies being out, you know, in your perspective, watching this team grow? They seem to have other weapons or tools as well. But do you think that this is a, a massive loss for them in this window? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Massive loss. I mean, they're not talking about the, what's happening with against the U.S., but even uh, a player that could just do the magic that Alfonso Davis against CONCACAF players. That's where I'm going to, right? Um, and uh, it's going to be a massive loss. If Alfonso Davis, I would say Canada right away, you know, scoring some points, 2-3, 3-1, 2-1. I'm kind of with, with, with Jimmy on this one because Canada still has not won away. Right in uh, during qualifying, number one team in World Cup qualifying for Concacaf has not won outside of their home. They've tied, you know, and I, that kind of goes. What is it about that? You know, because again, it's hard winning away. Um, I still think I think it's going to be a, a closer game than people think, but I think Canada inches away just because second half feel like you know look what happened with with uh, the U.S. and and uh, and Honduras when they went down there, totally two different halves. I think Canada squeezes by maybe a 1-0, 2-1. But I think Honduras is going to give them some trouble. And I could see a tie on here. And, you know, maybe Canada not taking this game because of what's happening in the later later two games to not start some of the players that they need because of the cold. Um, so there's traveling. Traveling sucks. So uh, I, I'm going close with Canada winning on this one just because they're number one. I like that. Respect. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a solid, it's a solid uh, look at that game. Let's move on now to Costa Rica versus Panama, and I would love it if our producer Des would throw up the uh, standings so that we can give a little bit of context for anybody who hasn't been following along or isn't following close to just to how important this Costa Rica versus Panama match is, just to see the point Dude. standings. Obviously, you've got Costa Rica on nine points, and we talked about just we just talked about Jamaica, right? And Jamaica are behind Costa Rica. If Jamaica were to win against Mexico, which I think is very, very difficult to do, but not out of the realm of possibility, they would now be talked about in the same way they were talking about Costa Rica. Of like, could there be a fourth or a fifth or a fifth or a sixth team entered into the chaos of qualifying for the final three plus a playoff round in the fourth? And so you have this matchup now, Costa Rica on nine points, Panama on 14. And it's what I think, and I want to get your guys' take on it, the biggest match of the round in terms of starting 100%. to establish what the table looks like moving forward. You have two teams that are going to offset points somewhere. Uh, Jimmy, I'll start with you. What what do you want to see? I mean, I, I know what you want to get out of this game for as a, as a U.S. fan, but why do you think this one's so important uh, in, in the context of qualifying? Well, for Costa Rica, who I think were maybe predicted to, to uh, maybe not finish in the top three, but probably if, if before it started, you were thinking U.S. and Mexico would be top two. Whoever finished where, nobody really knew. But then... Canada was still somewhat unknown. Are they going to really show up and realize their potential or what are they going to look like? And it looked like Canada and Costa Rica were maybe those two teams. And Costa Rica had a bit of a drop-off. Now, they have only scored six goals. That's not a good look in eight games, right? They've only given up seven, though. So there's something they're doing on that side of the ball, but it's not translated to them taking their chances. They drew with Panama in the first game of the qualifying window, 0-0 in Panama. 
It was so one-sided. They got two shots on goal, not on target. And Panama had 18 shots, and it just was 0-0. Keeler Navas, I can't remember all the details, but I'm sure he's standing on his head. And and what I'll say quickly about Costa Rica, they have three losses. They, they've lost to the U.S., they've lost to Canada, both away from home, and they lost to Mexico 1-0 at home. Maybe that was a little unfair. Wieso can tell us uh, how that result went, but, but maybe a draw would have been fair, whatever it may be. But they lost to the three biggest teams and, and the three best teams so far in the qualifying window. That's not what's going to make or break them getting fourth. It's getting results against everybody else. And they have three draws as well against the teams that maybe they should have beaten. And, and that's where I think if they don't qualify, that's where they're going to be pissed. And this is their big opportunity. Playing at home to Panama, they got to get all three points. That closes that window from 14 to 12. And, and then and then it just leads into them playing against Jamaica. I mean, they have a nice window here where they don't have to face anybody too big and they can get out there and, and make it happen. This is a great, great match. And I'm curious yeah. which version of Costa Rica shows up. But they have to score goals. Six goals in eight games isn't good enough. And they shouldn't go to a World Cup if they can't score. Yeah, and as I mentioned, uh, Mexico-Jamaica, uh, that, that Jamaica-Mexico is going to be on Paramount Plus as well as Honduras versus Canada, uh, as well as this one, Costa Rica versus Panama. We so... Are you more comfortable having, say, Costa Rica were to win? Are, would you rather have four teams competing for three automatic spots or five teams, sort of five <laughs> teams, competing for three, three and a half spots? I, I feel like if Costa Rica that? wins, somehow that's okay because they got to face the top teams and take away points from them because, you know, it's more competitive in that sense. But at the same time, uh, that's when Mexico's good and we have to worry about the three and fourth spot in the second spot. So to me, uh, I, you know, Costa Rica, it, they're missing those those players that were they're there in 2014 that are you know some some of them are still there that generation that still hasn't said you know that hasn't come and i i'm i'm afraid that you know this is a costa rica that's finally going to realize just what happened to us in 2018 that you need to you know back on those young players are you, uh, are you me, oh, by the, the way are you saying that 41 years old is too old for the international I, game uh if you're not with them blanco then <laughs> uh <laughs> then you should be <laughs> so um to me like again it's a very attractive film. did you guys see how like the number one versus number eight two seven you know is, is facing each other and this is the best matchup uh costa rica at home uh they, ha they, they it feels like they don't do enough but they're not terrible they right, could right. surprise right. it, it's funny because it's not like canada blew past them it was only a one zero it's not like right. the u.s blew past them it's not like mexico blew past them and they yeah. tied against panama they tied against honduras i feel like finally something positive is going to costa rica at home against panama they, they know a team really well uh gonna get a win and hopefully take that step to at least be a little more competitive for that third and fourth mm -hmm. spot so i'm going to costa rica on this one and he is on now. Let's see what the Ticos can do. I think I think they're going to win as well. That's my prediction. Yeah. I think Costa Rica, Costa Rica wins win this one, one zero. Yeah. I'm 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 so torn on what I want to happen out of this because it just both make me nervous. I've got so much trauma that like okay, Costa Rica win. Now we've got five teams in the mix for all this, or six teams in the mix for for whatever. How five fun. teams in the mix before. And then uh, on the flip side, you've got uh, I definitely don't want Panama because they continue to 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 worry me. So I'm going to go with the win for Costa Rica just for the vibes. Um, and from the two of you, uh, any final thoughts from all of these games before we wrap this up? No, I think we've uh, done a pretty good job of sounding as smart as possible, making everybody else feel <laughs> smart because they've learned a lot today. And now they can go sound smart to their fans. I, I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, these these games. I think uh, it was November, the last game, but it, it's it kind of snuck up on us. Great, great games that are happening. So let's be a good, good football. And I'm excited to see who's going to be up top after these uh, this round. So if you guys have U.S., Canada or can Mexico squeeze in there and be at the top? 
Oh man, no, we're gonna have to wait to find out. I'm not gonna yeah, be right. on that man. There's too much all drama right. involved. But hey, everyone, just as a reminder for the next week and change, K Golasso is your home for all things concerning the Ocho, the octagonal. So keep your eyes and ears peeled on the K Golasso podcast feed and YouTube channel for analysis, opinion, previews, recaps, and breaking news. We'll be back again on Thursday to recap the action from Columbus, Ohio. And until then, make sure you're following the K Golasso podcast as well as on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. We will see you guys next time. Bye. USA, 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 USA. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.